lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to a brand new week here on the Steve Dace Show on Blaze TV Radio Podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can let us know what you think about what we think if you want to email the program. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. And the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. If there seems like there's a little extra spring in my step for a Monday, it's because, gentlemen, I was hitting the scan on the Sirius XM on the way in this morning, and I heard Bing Crosby singing some Christmas music. So... I'm in a good mood. It's a good song. It, it, it it's good. it's about seventy good songs. It's about seventy of them. Yeah. So, not even yours, and not even you, not even you could bring me down. Not even Chick Fil A caving to the rainbow jihad is bringing me down today. That's right. I am. I've got. I am fired up hearing Bing Crosby uh, singing the Christmas song. So, um. I don't know you'll get your normal dose of gallows humor and cynicism. Well, that's because Aaron's montage hasn't began yet. And and so I'm sure once it does, all of that will return. But for now, I am thinking of a simpler time when men were actually men and the chicks didn't have balls unlike the era in which we live in today. We've got a fun show coming up for you today. Our Monday Town Hall, we're going to do something a little bit different. We uh, Well, first of all, I wanted to see, is there still a pulse on our Facebook page that Facebook has shadow banned? Did we actually get comments? I, I told you guys I was not going to look. Yeah, so we did. We, okay, we did got a lot. Okay. A lot. All right, so what I put up, I put up a post over the weekend, and we've we've never done this before. We used to do it more often in, in older iterations of the show, and it's just, I have no reason why we haven't done it often. I just... I just forgot. So we used to have a time period every now and then where you could literally ask us anything at all about anything. Okay. And, and apparently we're not the only ones who thought about this because I just saw the blaze tweeted out. You can call Glenn Beck right now and ask me anything. So everybody's doing this today, apparently. All right. But uh, we put up a, a post on our Facebook page and asking the few of you, the few, the proud, those of you that have made it through Facebook's shadow ban to actually access our Facebook page. If you had a chance to ask us anything at all you'd like us to address on the show, what would it be? Todd, I put you in charge of choosing what those questions were. Yes. I have no idea what they are because I love off-the-cuff questions. I know a lot of people, like when I go out and do public speaking, I actually request, can we have some Q&A time? I, I like it I because to me... it. One, it's it's challenging, and I like a challenge. But secondly, it's how I know I'm addressing the stuff you guys care about, as opposed to you know just soliloquying here off the top of my head. And I like the sound of my own voice, and I love me some me, so I think it's great. I mean, everybody likes to smell their own, right? But it may not necessarily be what you like or what you want to hear uh, us talk about. So we're going to turn that over to our Facebook audience coming up in hour number two, at the bottom of this hour, and and I would imagine after I'm done. It may go to places of cynicism and sarcasm when the two of you get a hold of the topic. But I, I do want to spend a, f- a few minutes having a sincere conversation with, with those still holding on to the Colin Kaepernick is Jesus narrative after what transpired over the weekend. All right, Because, folks, I, I work in conservative media. 
I know a grift when I see one. I was a proud member of the Tea Party movement. I know a scam pack when I see one. Okay? So we're going to talk about that coming up here at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's sure-to-be-depressing rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Polls. The newest Des Moines Register Iowa poll shows South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg surging to the top of the field. He leads Elizabeth Warren 25 percent to 16 percent. Joe Biden is tied for third with Bernie Sanders at 15 percent. A new CBS News YouGov poll finds Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden tied, leading the first in the nation caucus state with 22 percent. Pete Buttigieg is right behind with 21 percent. That same CBS poll finds that amongst the early states, Joe Biden still leads the pack with 29 percent. Elizabeth Warren is close behind at 26. Pete Buttigieg is in a distant fourth place with 9%. Speaking of Buttigieg, and according to The Intercept, the South Carolina campaign for the Indiana Democrat released a statement claiming more than 400 black South Carolinians had endorsed Buttigieg. There was a small problem. Nearly half the people named in the endorsement came forward saying they hadn't actually done so. Learning Spanish today, today's phrase is... Oh, stewardess, I speak jive. Oh, as hablo jive. Louisiana Democrat John Bell Edwards won that state's gubernatorial election over the weekend. Edwards is seen as a unicorn in Democratic circles after he publicly supported and signed into law that state's pro-life heartbeat bill. The Democratic National Committee announced recently the 10 candidates that will be included in the upcoming November Democratic presidential debate. They are Biden, Booker, Buttigieg, Gabbard, Harris, Klobuchar, Sanders, Steyer, Warren, and Yang. Checking in on Stacey Abrams. Electoral college is racist and classist. The voice of reason, former President Barack Obama reportedly spoke recently at a high-dollar Democratic donor gathering to issue a warning to those vying to grab the Democratic nomination. He reportedly told the crowd that the average American voter does not align with the views from, quote, certain left-leaning Twitter feeds or the activist wing of our party, end quote. In completely unrelated news, Attorney General Bill Barr spoke recently at the Federalist Society gathering. This highlights a basic disadvantage that conservatives have had in contesting the political issues of the day. In any age, the so-called progressives treat politics as a religion. Their holy mission is to use the coercive power of the state to remake man and society in their own image according to an abstract ideal of perfection. Prince Andrew talked to BBC about his relationship with the now-deceased alleged sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein. But you were staying at the house of a convicted sex offender. It was a convenient place to stay. And I I admit fully that, 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 that my judgment was probably colored by my um, tendency to be too honorable. Sprite, yes, the fizzy, fruity pop, recently released this ad. When you through a storm, hold your head up high, and don't be afraid of the dark.
Late last week, Blaze TV's own Ali Stuckey testified in front of Congress on the issue of abortion. After explaining in detail what abortion is and the pro-life position, Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz said this. I just want to clarify that Ms. Stuckey is here expressing her own opinion exclusively and has no scientific or particular expertise in this subject matter whatsoever. Is that accurate? No, I I wanted to ask you from what your knowledge of her experience is in the description of the witness's experience. That's that's my understanding. Thank you. I just wanted to clarify uh, that that particular fact. Um, But I I, think the witness should answer in all fairness as she's here. Mm -hmm. I think it says something when I, the one without the scientific or medical background, am the only one to give you uh, uh, specifics on what what an abortion procedure actually is. Reclaiming my time, Ms. Ducky, my question was not not of you. A jury in San Francisco has ruled that Planned Parenthood will be awarded nearly $2 million in a lawsuit brought about by the abortion giant against the pro-life group Center for Medical Progress after that organization secretly recorded Planned Parenthood executives haggling over the prices of dead baby body parts. Finally, and in more uplifting news, late last week, Kanye West brought his Sunday service to hundreds of inmates at a Texas prison. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage brought to you by Keeps, who knows that it sucks to be losing your hair, but what you may not know is that the cause of your hair loss could be a hormone called DHT, and here is a possible solution. The FDA has approved two hair treatment products that help control your DHT in order to prevent hair loss, and they've even triggered hair regrowth in a good number of guys as well. Until now, those products, though, were very expensive and required a doctor visit in order to obtain, but not anymore. Keeps offers the generic versions of those two FDA-approved hair care products so not only are they 90 percent effective but they're totally affordable and there's a special offer right now that you can take advantage of to save your hair without ever having to leave your couch just need to answer a few questions snap a few pics of your hair and a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you and if you want to take advantage of it here is that special offer a free online doctor consult and 50 percent off of your first order That's right, 50% off of your first order when you go to keeps.com slash Y. Keeps.com slash Y. Get 50% off of your first order right now. Excellent deal to get you started at keeps.com slash Y. We're going to discuss uh, the the case of David Daleiden out in California today for the overtime. If you are a member of Blaze TV, We'll tape that for you right after today's show, and it'll be uploaded later this afternoon for you to watch. If you'd like to be uh, a subscriber to Blaze TV, blazetv.com slash dace. That's how you'll get access to today's overtime, as well as all of the exclusive programming we do each day at blazetv.com slash dace. Let's get to the topics, and let me get this out of the way right now. I'm going to write a column about this for the Blaze to spell this out a little bit more in detail uh, this week, but... The election in Louisiana, uh, the re-election in Louisiana of John Bell Edwards, it, it should be a devastating, a devastating existential omen to Trump's re-election campaign. It should be. Let me tell you, though, why it's not. 
And I've, I've seen some of this analysis of this election, but I think this is largely being left out what I'm about to share with you. Yes, it is true that John, that John Bell Edwards won re-election in Louisiana, actually got less of the vote than he received four years ago when he was first elected. And similar to what we saw in Kentucky with Matt Bevin, where he lost, but Republicans down ballot did very well. Republicans down ballot in Louisiana did very well as well. It's also true that, um, and I mentioned something about this on Twitter this morning, it is also true that John Bell Edwards championing real pro-life legislation. And in fact, I would, I would argue John Bell Edwards has done more on pro-life policy than George W. Bush ever did, than John McCain ever vowed he would do if he were president, Mitt Romney ever vowed he would do if he were president, maybe than George Herbert Walker Bush ever did. Um, so... Yes, that's a large reason why he won re-election. But there's a, there's, a, there's a Paul Harvey rest of the story here that I think needs to be pointed out. It wasn't just that vote on that issue, but it was the message that it sent. See, what John Bell Edwards, what John Bell Edwards did in Louisiana is if you don't like Donald Trump, if you want this to be over, whatever this is, you want the, 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 the yin and the yang, he's his own yin and yang. You, you, want the, you want the mess to be over. And of course, you're lying to yourself if you're one of these people. You're, you're assuming that for, his, for all of his various faults, you're assuming Donald Trump is instigating much of this. In reality, in his own way, Often clumsily, he is actually confronting what the dynamic has been long before he ever arrived in office. He is, as I wrote here in this book right here, he is neither the, the, the solution nor the problem. He is a symptom. And so the reason why there is so much friction often, um, and yes, you know, he likes to take off his shoe on Twitter, point a gun at himself and see what happens, right? There, there is a lot of, you know, hey, ma, uh, tweeting that goes on during this presidency. But the, the, the things that often provoke or, and or instigate him are the system itself. He, he didn't create this system. He is responding to a system that in many respects, Republicans before him either were more in favor of than their own base and or frankly just had uh, lacked the testicular fortitude to confront. So if you, if you think that the Washington Post is going to go back. If you get rid of Donald Trump, they're going to cover the Covington Catholic boys fairly. I, I just don't even know what to tell you. You're so far gone in Xanadu that I, I, don't, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. But there's a lot of you in our country that feel this way. And what John Bell Edwards in Louisiana did by voting the way that he did uh, and ratifying and signing into law that pro-life legislation and then never backing away from it as he went around the country to leftist groups to don't, to, you know, he was out in, I think, I think I read he was out in Hollywood doing a fundraiser like a week or so after he signed this legislation. So he's not backing away, not pulling a Chick-fil-A today who decided that, you know, putting restaurants in airports was more important. It was more important to slander the brethren. That's what Chick-fil-A did today. Remember we had their CEO 
sitting on this COO, former COO, Correct. sitting on this screen here a few months ago, talking about how when he was there, they prayed through their decisions. And for people that know what we're, ta we're talking about, Chick-fil-A's announced today they're not going to donate to charities like the Salvation Arm anymore because they're, quote, anti-LGBT, end quote. And the Daily Wire is reporting one of their big concerns is they are getting denied entrances to airports around the country. Because, you know, they're already the number three fast food chain in the, in the world. And apparently, you know, it, it's, it's worth slandering uh, an organization that has done more for the poor, indigent, and hungry than, than, than maybe any other charity in the history of the world has done. I don't count the church as a charity, okay? So any other charity in the history of this planet, you could argue the Salvation Army has done more for the least of these than any other charity in the history of this planet, and they're only 100-some-odd years old. And Chick-fil-A decided to go out there today because, you know, it, 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 you know we're never going to catch Subway. We're never going to catch Subway unless we slander the brethren. So apparently their policy of praying through decisions over there or down there in Atlanta, they've, they've, that, 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 that has ceased to occur. They're not doing that anymore down there. So we're going to slander the brethren over at the Salvation Army, you know, because um, uh, the, 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 the homeless must be made to care as well, right? Uh, and if you're not, if you, I mean, if you're not showing homeless people the trans Sprite ad, then you're really just not helping them in the way that they need the most. I think, I mean, right? That's, isn't that essentially the message today? Yes. That's the message today. We're, that, what they did, do not put it lightly, they slandered the brethren today. That's what they did. And if you know what that means in the New Testament, I don't use that phrase lightly. I'm well aware of what it means. They don't. I'm aware of what it means. They're not. Something tells me, though, that um, the same forces that were at work in saving them from uh, the ruin that they faced seven or eight years ago, if they continue on this path, may teach them a very harsh lesson in the years to come about what that phrase means. But that's outside of my jurisdiction, so I'll let those things play on on their own. But um, what, what, what John Bell Edwards has done is, is he provided a roadmap on, on how a Democrat should win next year. He gave you, a, if you, if you live in suburban New Orleans, suburban Baton Rouge, you know, pick the major uh, fairways and thoroughfares of the state of Louisiana. If, if you live in those communities, and you're just not comfortable with the stuff Donald, you think Donald Trump makes you talk about when you're, when you're at the golf course or at your suburban megachurch um, or, you know, at, at, at your Lions Club. John Bell Edwards made it safe for you to vote for him by supporting that pro-life legislation and then not backing away from it after he did. Who in the current Democrat field for president is willing to do the follow this roadmap? I'll answer. Nobody. At least nobody that can be the nominee. Nobody that can be the nominee. I mean, look at, look at, look at the top five candidates right now in any order. Joe Biden, first of all, he can't string a single sentence together. You just look at him and you know he can't be president of the United States. But take that off the table. He is already whether it's coal, whether it's religious liberty, whether it's the life issue, every moderate position he once held, he has, he has long abandoned and put on tape. And, if, and now we get to the fact he can't string a sentence together. So if you think that guy is then going to be able to etch a sketch and spin this, you know, next June and July, that's not happening. Okay. 
I mean, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna look like an octopus with so many legs. He's gonna have so many feet coming out of his mouth. He's gonna have to untangle constantly. Not happening. Elizabeth Warren represents the women's studies professor wing of the of cultural Marxism. Bernie Sanders represents the Soviet wing of Marxism. Um, and then you have Pete Buttigieg, who in and of himself is a construct of the culture war in and of himself. So am I, th- that's their top four candidates. Does anybody, should I even mention anybody else? Does there anybody else right it's now not. you guys could, could see, could conceive has any shot to win a single state? No, no. Okay. So tell me which of the, how, which of those four. Now we would have said the way Joe Biden entered the race earlier this year, that it looked like he was laying out that kind of territory, right? That's all gone now. So tell me who's going to provide that safe harbor. And the answer is nobody. There is nobody that that what happened in Louisiana should have Trump 2020 uh, crap in drawers right now. He went all in on that state, still couldn't beat the guy. That should have you thinking, uh oh, like you just heard Carl Lewis trying to ramp up for the national anthem again. Uh oh. But but the problem is it should be an existential omen of fear for Trump's reelect. But they don't have anybody on a national stage that is either willing and or capable of laying that out. Because it's, it's, it, it, it's not just the sloganeering. Because whoever they nominate is going to claim to be a moderate. Well, maybe Elizabeth Warren won't. Bernie Sanders won't. All right, so I'm already taking that back too. Right? We're, that's half of the candidates already. All right, so if, if Biden were to survive, if Buttigieg were to run the table here and, and, and shock everyone and be the nominee from Podunk, Indiana, those two are going to try to you know, run to some kind of middle ground later. In the, is that fair? Those two would probably try it later on? Okay? Maybe. Okay. More than Maybe. the others. But there's yeah. way too much. Tell me what's their, what's their policy? What have they actually done that they can point to and say, hey, you know, I went against my own party on blank. And I'm with my party on taxes and health care, like John Bell Edwards is. That's why he was out in Hollywood the next week raising money after signing that legislation. But I, I, bucked, I bucked the system on blank. They can't. They can't. And so that is the roadmap. We have articulated this throughout the course of the year, right? Who's the safe harbor candidate? Louisiana, Louisiana's Democratic Party produced one. And I don't see a path on a national level for that to happen in this cycle for the Democratic Party. And I don't think, by the way, going forward, the Democratic Party is interested in doing so. That's correct. This, you know, there won't be any more John Bell Edwards in the future. I, I, I don't think they're even, you know, that's why they're running ahead of their, they've outkicked their coverage in this election. They, they can't get to the 2032-2028 election fast enough, so they're trying to have it in the 2020 cycle right now. So they're, they're not going to produce that candidate. I don't think in any of our lifetimes, I don't think that's coming. So like, like if John Bell Edwards ran for president, do you think he'd survive this environment on a national level? Hell no. What do you think happens the first time he stands up there and says, and this is why I signed pro-life legislation. Burn the witch. Burn the witch is right. You bet. Yeah, they're going to, that party's going to turn on him fashion. You can say Chick-fil-A and Salvation Army, brother. That's how fast that's going to go down. All right. Which which brings us to the Iowa polling. Now, I believe anything CNN publishes, um, uh, like I believe the Southern Poverty Law Center. And has anybody ever seen the two of those entities in the same place at the same time? I think not. 
But the pollster who's working for CNN this cycle, Ann Seltzer, is the real deal. She knows what she's doing when it comes to Iowa. So she clearly had, in, in my view, you take what she has as what's happening in Iowa seriously. I, I don't take the YouGov poll of Iowa seriously, and here's why. It's a, it's a strictly online polling outfit. There, there are places in Iowa, folks, where you can't have a Wi-Fi signal still, okay? So YouGov is a strictly, it's an only online opt-in poll. And you're talking about one of the oldest states in the country. So it would make sense that somebody like Joe Biden, or I'm sorry, somebody like um, uh, Bernie Sanders, okay, with who his base is and the methodology that YouGov uses, it would make sense that he would overperform in that poll compared to where he is at and everything else. So... I'm going to throw that out. I would take YouGov's polling seriously for Democrats in the early states broadly more seriously because their demographic does tend to be more online. And on outs- when you get outside of Iowa, when you go to the East Coast or elsewhere around the country, I do think it's less of a factor, the opt-in on the internet. But here in Iowa, I would throw that out. And I would only worry about what the Seltzer poll says. And what the Seltzer poll says is clearly Pete Buttigieg is having his moment right now. Now, the question is, can he sustain that? Is he peaking too soon? I can tell you without having ever met a member of his staff or his campaign, because like I've told you before, campaign DNAs and cultures are all the same. It's just a matter. It's the it's the it's the candidates and the issues that are different. They would much rather have that poll on January uh, January 18th and 17th than right now. Elizabeth Warren called and said, yeah. Yeah. And so what you're, what you're watching here is a sifting. Democratic voters, their only real concern is defeating Donald Trump. And they're, they're sifting through right now trying to figure out who that is. And no, this isn't like the flavor of the month with Mitt Romney versus the field in 2012 because there's no Mitt Romney in this field. Joe Biden's been weighed, measured, and found wanting. It could have been him, but it's not. So this is like, imagine the 2012 GOP field without a Mitt Romney. And that's what this is. There's a whole bunch of candidates they're not sure about. Remember we talked about the rookie mistake Elizabeth Warren made going out there and saying, yeah, let me tell you the particulars of my health care plan. And it's stymied all of her growth as a candidate, right? We've been talking about this. Sure. This story that's out today of what Pete Buttigieg has attempted to do in South Carolina at least since what Team GOP did in the Mississippi Senate race to save Thad Cochran, it's that may be aside, or at least since then. This is the most overtly racist thing I have seen in politics in my career. Now, I, I was not around. I was just a voter when George H.W. Bush's or George W. Bush's people were talking about John McCain's black baby. You know, 15 years ago, you know, I found out about that stuff. I'm talking since I've been active full time working in this industry. So for the last 13 years, the two most racist, overtly racist things I've seen are what they did. Um, I forget his name now. Uh, the Mississippi State Senator Chris something is his name. McDaniel. Chris McDaniel. Thank you. It's what Team GOP and did to save Thad Cochran, who was, you know, not competent. He was beyond his faculties were simply not there. That's not a joke. Not competent. He's dead now. I mean, he literally didn't. You had to probably tell Thad Cochran on election night he won. He didn't know. Okay. Um, Joe Biden called and said, hide the aluminum from Thad Cochran back in 2014. Uh, So it's what they did to Chris McDaniel. That was overtly racist. This is at least the most racist thing since then. 
maybe the most racist thing, period. And what Pete Buttigieg has been caught here, Aaron didn't even give you the, all the grisly details. 42% of the people they claimed were his supporters that were black are actually white. They're actually, 42% of them are white. It is true that a majority of them said, I am not supporting Pete Buttigieg. 42% of the people they claimed were black are white. And they used stock photos of Kenyans. Is that bad? Yeah. Yeah. That's... <laughs> It's, it's about as it's about as racist as it gets. It's like they went on Getty Images or they Google on Google Images. It's like they did, and, and just said we've got to find some black people. Yeah, and they grabbed Kenyans as South Carolina residents. And the fact was they a, thought there was any chance they would get away with this, what were we going to say? Was so Barack Obama's dad one of them? <laughs> oh boy. Here I am trying to have a serious conversation. It's gone now. That's why I covered my mouth. I knew when he, I, yeah, I looked, I, I thought, I, I meant to pull back to give you a chance when I said, I knew you were trying to self-edit. I should have stopped myself. All right. Now I have to regroup after that. It's, it's good that I ran out of time. I have to regroup because a serious point needs to be made about this and we will make it when we come back. If you're one of millions of Americans struggling with chronic pain as a result of too much inflammation in your body, relief might just be one click away. If you go to relieffactor.com and you get the three-week quick start right now for just a dollar a day, just try it for three weeks for $19.95 for less than 20 bucks and find out why I have been raving about this product ever since I began using it months ago, why it's a part of my daily regimen now. And what I love the most about it, yes, it's effective. All right, but there's a lot of other things that you could get that are effective as well. But how many of them can also say they're 100% drug-free while also being created by doctors who can prescribe drugs? Now, that's what makes this unique, okay? And, and it, it shows that the people at Relief Factor understand you're not a machine, you're a created organism, and that the body was created to push back against things like inflammation. If you put the right stuff into it, you'll get the right stuff out, and that's where Relief Factor comes in. Four key, all-natural ingredients, 100% drug-free. This isn't about getting you addicted to some other pain reliever. You tried that already. All right, try this now your creator's way. What do you have to lose for a dollar a day? Except maybe, finally, and hopefully the pain. Go to relieffactor.com. Get the quick start right now at relieffactor.com. I want to finish this point on Pete Buttigieg, and then I want to know, because this is your boy, so I want to give you a chance to respond, okay? This thing that they've attempted in South Carolina, just to recap this, now that I've gathered myself after Aaron did his best to make sure we end up on the Media Matters watch list today, Thank you. You're welcome. For that. You're welcome. It's my own fault, though. He was actually trying to self-edit. I called on him. That's my bad. Okay. I'm the victim. You are. <laughs> yes. In this case, you probably are the victim. You were trying to be the adult and pull it back, and I yanked it out of you. Okay? Uh, but uh, the idea that they thought they could get away with something like this, which is putting out a list of black supporters. There's a brand new South Carolina poll that just came out in the last 10 minutes, by the way, that has Pete Buttigieg at 3% in the state. Three. 
That's below Moses Malone's fo fo fo. You're at three. Okay? He's at three. So the idea that you thought you could get away with this, that we're just going to um, literally just make up some names, and, and 42% of them are going to actually be white people. And then we're going to throw in stock photos of Kenyans. Because there's nothing racist about that. Hey, give me some, uh, find me some uh, black people photos. All right, Google images, uh, black people, google.com, type in uh, blacks. Okay, I, 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 it's breathtaking. Amateur hour, juvenile. It's one of the dumbest things I have seen and I have, I have folks, I've seen a lot of dumb. It, this is so dumb, I can't reconcile it. It's so dumb. I, I have, I've read the story seven times during the course of today just because, and maybe it's even been more. I keep clicking on it because I cannot believe someone thought this would work. Like, I get why someone maybe thought this might work in 1998 when the internet was new. And most people didn't know they had it on computers now. But you thought this was going to work in 2019. What that is emblematic of is a campaign that is simply not ready for prime time. They're way over their skis here. Because this is almost like a subconscious plea. Holy crap, we might win this thing. Someone put us out of our misery here. All right, we're way, someone please step in, save us from ourselves. This might work like in the South Bend City Council when literally 750 people will vote. Literally. Like 750 people will vote. This might work because like no one's watching and nobody cares. But the fact that you thought this was going to play, Elizabeth Warren called and she's gonna, she thinks she should, that she should stop. Uh, you know, when she's done, continuing to explain her healthcare program that everybody hates. She's going to give you some pointers on, on, on how this is amateur hour level stuff. So if, if this is how you're going to handle the first real bit of scrutiny, remember he had this moment like six months ago. Remember he had this surge earlier in the spring and imploded after that. All right. And so just like Elizabeth Warren imploded, surged, came back, and now her surge has been stymied, and she's lost a few points. All right, same thing's happening with Buttigieg now. He's getting his second crack at this because there's this sifting process. They cannot settle on, can any of these people actually stand toe-to-toe with Donald Trump on a national stage every day for six months next year? We have our doubts. And if this is your first foray into my attempt to broaden my appeal and show that I am a national candidate, this, this is, a, I, I mean, it's mind-numbingly dumb, Todd. And now you will tell me that it's okay and Pete Buttigieg will be their nominee anyway, so go ahead. Well, I, I've never said he's going to be the definitive nominee, but this, let's face it, considering him being a player... That I've been right about that. Way, way beyond what you thought possible. That's true. Correct? For the most part. Yeah. 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 Now, that being said, he, listen, he, he, here's what's inexcusable. Th- this thing has not had to be anything other than amateur hour up until this point. He's only in this position because he's gay. That's it. And people love that. And Iowa is not South Carolina. And I, in the caucus setting, 
nothing has changed in terms of what's possible here. Steve, forgive me. What's the date of the caucus? February 3rd. Nothing has changed. 79 days away. I promise you that those caucus goers are just as fine currently, right? Now, things may change in a week, but in terms of really wanting to put that stamp, just like they did with Obama, we're going to be the first ones to put forward this guy. And they're double... The conflict going on in that party is just as intense as the conflict going on in the conservative party. For them to want... Yes, they want to be Trump, but yes, they are progressive warriors at their heart, and those two things are in constant conflict. So it's not as rational as... Uh, I don't think that was your intent, Steve, but to to sit there that they're weighing and sifting in a rational way isn't happening all the time. The sifting, though, is happening. So you've gotten this far with nothing but amateur hour and that raw id of we want the gay guy. Here's where it's inexcusable. You, You are not just nickel and diming this thing. You have tons of money, Pete Buttigieg, because of uh, the fact that you are gay in the one area. And it's already shown in Steve when, when the blip happened with, uh, I mean, he didn't tank, but when the blip happened, when the pause button was put on the uh, initial, but a momentum, it was, wasn't it because of what happened in South bend itself that because what they found was there was all kinds of racial animosity, police brutality issues that he had just correct done a very good job by the according to the people of South Bend of handling. It's at that moment where you say uh, we're fine with amateur or everywhere else, but with this issue and the kind of thing we're going to have to do in terms of messaging down the road, this is where you go. You pay an expert propagandist, not whoever you you have working for you uh, on work release from uh, the college uh, whatever studies program you hire a pro to do that it's still going to be a lie but it'll be a high financed well thought out lie not this that's what is inexcusable yeah, a, to me on this you get a ben rhodes that's who you that that's that's the type of person you get hopefully somebody smarter than that but uh, yeah i see what you're saying just but, somebody who is good at lying basically. but but i I don't think, here's the thing. I agree with you about Iowa. If this is who wins Iowa, then this might be the last Iowa caucus we have. That guy can't win an election. Trump will win 40 states up against him. That's total amateur hour. And, and, and has, and, and, and that's what you would expect from someone whose only other political campaigning has been for the South Bend, Indiana. What's the population of South Bend, Indiana? I'm going to look this up. South Bend, Indiana population. Here's where that that is. That's 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 Pat Robertson winning the Iowa caucuses stuff. That that just won't be taken seriously. But you already said in analysis, none of these people are being taken seriously. That's why the sifting is going on. The sifting is going on in Iowa. Yeah, but 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 who? Which one of these is the favorite? Clearly across the country. I don't think that they have one. Yeah. Yeah. But that's this act, though, won't this act the, the, the stuff. This is where you'll meet some of the and remember, after Obama won Iowa, he lost. So the, mm-hmm. this is this is an important history. Oh, he's not going to run o- the table. O- Obama, no, no. Obama lost in New Hampshire. What won him the nomination, all right, what established him as a viable candidate was winning Iowa. Had he not won Iowa, he would not be president of the United States. That is clear. All right. But it's a it's a lot different being this the winning a statewide election in a state with a major population base like Illinois than being the governor of Podunk, Indiana, which has barely a hundred thousand people. Or mayor, I should say. 
after Obama won Iowa, the people of New Hampshire were like, this is a guy's a joke. We're not nominating this guy. And they voted, they went with Hillary. What, what ultimately cemented the nomination for Obama was in South Carolina. Why? What, what transpired in South Carolina that had not yet happened? See, up until South Carolina, Obama was the same, was the candidate of the suburban progressivites that you and I live with, that, that love Pete Buttigieg now. You're right about that, okay? That's, that's who lifted, because, you know, 3% of Iowa is black. We don't have a, 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 a significant black population in our state. So you're right about that. Um, but the people of New Hampshire took a look at that and thought the guy was a joke and said no and went with Hillary instead. It was, it was the massive migration of black voters that had previously been with Hillary Clinton because of Bill, their love of Bill Clinton. It was the massive migration of black voters to Barack Obama. So now he did have those suburban progressiveites, okay, who, um, uh, you, you know, who love them, who love their Jim Wallace books. Okay, he did. He ha, he got those people, um, and and think Rick Warren is is prophetic. He got those people, and and but then he when he added the mass of of black voters. That's that's to, to the Democratic Party. Black voters are to them in some respects what evangelicals are to the Republican Party. Fair, okay. When he added that, now he had an unbeatable coalition, and it was just a matter of how long it was going to take for him to drive Hillary out of the race, and because she's Hillary. And so bitterness is her Facebook default setting. She stayed in until the absolute bitter end long after she had any shot of actually being the nominee. He cannot follow that road. Pete Buttigieg cannot follow that path. That is correct. He cannot. That that path, the reason he's at 3% in South Carolina today is because he cannot follow that path. And I had a friend of mine say, well, if he wins Iowa, you'll see Obama come out and endorse him. And that'll help him get some black voters. But but he's never going to be the black church candidate he can't he cannot be the barack obama of 2008 that's why i've often compared him to jesse jackson in 1988 you know um where he wasn't a real candidate meaning he couldn't win the nomination he had no real political experience but he was touching on a progressive trope at that time that endeared him to a significant portion of the base and he was you know he he was a viable factor in the race for a long time but the problem they have right now is they don't even have a Michael Dukakis right now. That's the problem they have right now. Aaron. And unlike the Republican Party, you're never going to see Democrats go into South Carolina and start shaming and virtue signaling against their base about how they're homophobic. All right. You see what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. Republicans do this all the time to their base. OK, you guys, you know, you just need to uh, bite the bullet. You guys just need to be team players. Big tent, all this thing. No, because of the axiom that we say on the show all the time, uh, because I, 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 let me give you some context for why I say this. Why? Why isn't Pete Buttigieg right now? Uh, it's obvious. We've talked about this before, why he's struggling in South Carolina, uh, because the, 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 the base of voters that he has to win there. A large block of the base of voters that he has to win there are a lot more socially conservative than they are in a lot of other places. The Democrat voter in South Carolina, a lot more socially conservative than they mm-hmm. are in a lot of other places. Mm-hmm. Now, Republicans, if this if the shoe were on the other foot, Republicans, Republicans would shame their base into voting yes. for whoever they put up. Yes. Democrats aren't going to do that. That's, so right. that's another reason why yep. he's not he's not. That's, right, that's exactly right. Yes, that's because if the Democrats go down that road, it's it is they threaten to permanently have a schism in within their black voting block that they can't win without. They they have to have 90 plus percent black vote 
with mass turnout to win any national election and pretty much any ele- election of significance in America. They can't risk that. They, they just can't. They, they can't win enough suburban whites to, to, to make up for that. They can't. The math you, isn't there. You, yeah, you're, you, you are stable-minded enough to care about the math. In this environment, I'm just, be ready for any and all delusions to be grabbed and run with at a hundred miles per hour. I mean, I, I, that's I, what we I, need I, to be I, paying attention to that, as that, that's possible. A, that's exactly why I don't buy into this because I think this is a delusion right here. I think this is a delusion. I think I think I think you've got uh, some some uh, some suburban white folks in in Iowa that are deluded about what what who who what party they're actually in, how they're the part the coalition that their party actually needs. I agree. I'm counting on that delusion. That's why I don't think this is going to play. It's a delusion. The fact, the fact that this is a uniquely, and what it will do is it feeds every negative stereotype of the Iowa caucuses that I've spent much of my career pushing back against because the numbers don't actually buy into what those stereotypes are. And they're largely just done by people who are jealous that their state doesn't get to go first. But this would actually check every box of every stereotype. Because if you look by, if you look at any other objective data point he is a strictly iowa phenomenon this is not catching on anywhere else not nationally nowhere this is a strictly iowa phenomenon so i i'm i'm counting i'm 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 I'm, my analysis todd factors in the self-delusion it is thick and it's only happening within the borders of our state this is not being current. Now, maybe that'll change. And if it changes, I'll change my opinion. But there is no data point that says this is but being taken seriously anywhere outside of our own state. But we can't have it both ways. Either it, the only states that matter are the ones we've been talking about in so the three I'm, but, but the four. That, so it's if, not, it's if not, he wins it, one of the first three it, it doesn't take in the, a process where, that you believe can go all the way to the um, convention, I'm just not doing well in South Carolina. I'm just saying that's not, that's not a dead letter. I, I don't expect him. I never did expect him. Okay. I just expect him to be, he's all that money. Why is he going to go away? Yeah, that argument, they all raise money. John Ossoff raised more money and got more a million dollars in donations faster than Barack Obama But he's Obama not raising did. money they vaguely raise money as a, he's raising money because of that. I people want it and it's not just from people in Iowa. I, I agree with that. But I would, I'd be willing to bet the vast majority of his donations come from the 15% of counties that Hillary Clinton won. Well, well yeah. Okay, yeah. But, but there, there, is, there is, and I'm looking at what's happening in New Hampshire and South Carolina. I'm looking at the other early states. I'm not, I don't really care what people in California think of the Democratic nominee right now or Montana or anyplace else. They don't matter. I keep, I've, I've said that. The fact that this has no crossover carryover effort because we're not in the, this isn't Rick Santorum coming out of nowhere to get to 21% in the register poll 72 hours before the Iowa caucuses. So there's been no change. And he was not, as, he wasn't viable like a month before that. He was in the low single digits yeah. anywhere. This has been going on. I mean, how many debates have they had? He's already been up. He's, al- he's already had a moment. Rick Santorum in that, in that cycle when you were with him, he never had a moment. Until the moment, right. the moment that he had. Buttigieg has already had the moment. He's already been analyzed and yet outside of what you know what he's doing in iowa there is no evidence that he is gaining a foothold anywhere else that matters in terms of a data point except this state this is a uniquely iowa 
phenomenon. Uniquely Iowa. Mm. I don't think that's debatable either. I don't think it's debatable. There is no, you I cannot would, point me to a no, data point because, that shows that he is he is he is relevant in this process anywhere outside of Iowa. No, he, he is because of the premise you said about how unique Iowa is in fact is, whether we like that or care about that or not. It just is what it is. If you nominate somebody, if 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 you come I'm just telling you, he won't his polling in New Hampshire is not going to change overnight because he won Iowa. That's not going to happen. It even happened for Rick Santorum. Hell, we won we won Iowa with more votes than anybody's ever had, ever. Ted Cruz then finished what fifth in New Hampshire. We don't All know right? what's going to Elizabeth fourth Warren is coming South back Carolina. to the field. Joe Biden is is you know turning into dust before our very eyes. I mean, that's there's just this gigantic vacuum here. I think okay. You, we're going to just continue to agree to disagree. And I think it's just because I don't deny the zeitgeist that you're, that I don't deny that at all, that he is tapping into. I still think, though, politics is vocational. You have to show you can do this. And I don't, I don't think you go from mayor of South Bend, Indiana, to being able to pull something off of this scale. We'll come back with hour two next. And we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, podcast. I'm Steve Dace, Todd Erz, and Aaron McIntyre here with me as well. If you are listening to us today via the podcast, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, we would be very grateful because the more of those we get, the more people, the algorithms help us find, and then the more likely we are to get to continue to do this for a living, and I think we'd all... We'd all like to see that continue. At least the three of us would. So thank you to the thousands of you that have left us those five-star reviews already. 888 is the number here to The Blaze. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address to this show. That's D-E-A-C-E or like us on Facebook. At least try it. See if it happens. Or follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. This portion of the program brought to you by Genesis 950. I want you to know that if you're thinking of replacing the carpets in your house because of pet odors and stains, understand, number one, that's not, unless you can lay your own carpet, if you can, come to my house, please. But if that's, unlike most of you probably cannot do that, okay? So uh, the labor cost, that's not going to be a cheap endeavor. That's why you must give Genesis 950 a try. First, it's an amazing pet stain and odor remover because with water, it breaks down the bonds of stains and odors with Genesis 950. So they're gone for good. It's antibacterial component, removes pet stains and odors from the carpet and the padding. That's the key. That's why you shampooed the carpet, you vacuumed, it looks great. And you're like, why is the smell still in here? Why can I still smell this? Because the padding is the sticky wicket here. And that's what Genesis 950 helps you with that as well. It can be used in a carpet cleaning machine and it's so green that it's safe for your family and pets. So if you're tired of pet cleaners that don't work, and before you make that major purchase for new carpeting, give Genesis 950 a try. Heck, you can use this to clean everything, even the, the nice uh, quartz and granite in the bathrooms and in the kitchens as well. But where it really shines is getting those pet stains and odors removed from your carpeting. And you can try it right now for a discount. If you go to Genesis950.com, use promo code BLAZE, they'll give you a discount right now. Genesis950.com, 950. Genesis950.com, promo code BLAZE to get that discount. Before we get to this week's Monday Town Hall, I want to send out, this is a a PSA, 
a public service message with with 100% sincerity. I I watch people that I like. I root for some of the same sports teams with. I enjoy their coverage of sports who were very excited from what I saw on social media. We're very excited that the NFL gave Colin Kaepernick a tryout in front of what about 11 teams signed up to go to this in Atlanta over the weekend. And I want to take your excitement level at face value. I want want to see this story the way you see it. Even though I don't see it that way. I, I see a young man who's Adoptive white parents loved on him as their own son and gave him a second chance at life that a lot of people don't get. I see uh, a white high school football coach who so believed in his star player that he took it upon himself to send his tape out to college coaches around the country to get their attention when nobody was. I saw his. I, I see his white college football coach, Chris Alt, at Nevada. The guy who's credited with creating the pistol offense in football, he's in the Hall of Fame. And I saw him tailor and and fit that offense specifically to this underwhelming, skinny recruit named Colin Kaepernick and turn him into a star. I saw his white NFL coach, Jim Harbaugh draft him higher than anybody thought he deserved to be drafted who thought he could never work in the nfl because he doesn't fit the, the the model of what they're looking for at that position who then benched a former number one overall pick in the nfl draft who has gone on to have a fairly successful career by the way and who was white he benched him in the middle of the season in order to put kaepernick under center and reinvent his entire team and ride him all the way to the Super Bowl. I, I, don't, I don't see a, a young man. I don't, I don't see the Kunta Kinte that he had on his t-shirt when he arrived over the weekend. I, I don't see someone oppressed in a home where he, has so, he can afford so many pairs of shoes that he has a bedroom just for his shoes. I don't, I don't see that. I, I see an, an unjust world, by the way, that has given him a lot, a lot of grace and mercy and chances. Even these last four years, he could have played in the NFL. He just refused to accept that he could not use the league as the platform for his own beliefs. He didn't want to play at that price point. He made that adult decision. He's still a millionaire, by the way. So I I don't see it the way you do. I, I don't see a symbol of oppression or victimhood. In fact, I, I see someone who's a symbol of Christian grace and mercy because that's what drove his white family to treat him the way that they did in the first place. That's what I see. I see someone that this world, east of Eden, despite its fallen nature and despite its problems with race and other iniquities, I see a world that's actually been, in the end, fairly just and fairly rewarding to Colin Kaepernick. He is, after all, a member of the 1%. But you don't see it that way. And I respect that. Which is why I want to I say this to you with the utmost sincerity. I work in conservative media. 
So I know what a grift is. We're loaded with them. Loaded with them. That's why we've nicknamed it on our show, Clickservitism. I used to be a proud member of a movement that doesn't exist anymore because grifters destroyed it called the Tea Party. So I'm well aware of what a scam pack looks like. I remember showing up at CPAC early in the dawn of the Tea Party era. And there was an organization there called the Tea Party News Network that was like the main sponsor, had this huge stage where they were outspending everybody else. By the way, you know who their host was? Scotty Hughes. That's how we got to know each other. So yes, (laughs) I know what a grift is. I know what a, what a political scam is. And I remember walking away thinking, man, I wonder how they can afford all of that. Well, now we know, don't we? So I say this to you with respect. You're being taken advantage of. He is a grifter. Seven car motorcade. The Kunta Kinte t-shirt. That, <laughs> that aired about 10 years before he was born, man, on television. And then at the last minute, well, I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to play Darth Vader here and to the NFL's Lando Calrissian and alter the deal. Pray that I'm not altering it any further. He's not interested in playing in the NFL. He's interested in shaking down the NFL. There's other places you can go to. There's examples of police brutality you can go to. Have you looked at what the, with, with the academic achievement rates in predominantly urban slash black school districts where you live happen to be? Have you looked? Those are places where you can really wage a social justice war. And you might even get some support from somebody like me, to be honest with you. But this isn't, nothing principled is happening here. You're being used. He's not interested in playing in the NFL. And he hasn't been for the last few years. He's interested in capitalizing on being a symbol of a fake movement from a company who, as we speak right now, called Nike, as we speak right now, continues to make $300 shoes in Southeast Asian sweatshops where tweens are making pennies a day, sweating away, so that you and I can pay way too much for them when they arrive over here. This is all a scam. There's nothing real happening here. Nothing notable, noteworthy. You're not moving the needle. You're helping Nike and Colin Kaepernick get rich. That's all you're doing. That's it. This is a grift, I promise you. Don't be the mark. There are some legitimate other places where you can fight your social justice battle. Colin Kaepernick, Inc. is not it. And I say this as someone who's been a victim of political grift in my career. I've been scandicapped. I know what it looks like. I remember reading after Ted Cruz dropped out of the race that our data firm, Cambridge Analytica, was actually helping Donald Trump at the same time they were helping us. 
How can the same data firm help two rival presidential campaigns? I'll answer, Alex. They can't. It's just a it, little bit unethical. Yeah, just, just a, a little bit. At least not legitimately, anyway. So I know what a grift looks like. I know what a scam pack looks like. You're being taken advantage of. Move on. Find a better cause. Colin Kaepernick, Inc. And Nike's shareholder price. That's not the social justice you're looking for. Now let's get to our Monday town hall. And we're going to do it a little bit differently this week. I decided to see, is this on McFly? Is anybody at our Facebook page that has grown, what is it, 47 viewers or 47 likes in you're the last being, four years or something? You're being extraordinarily generous. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm only being slightly facetious. I could go back and we looked at this in March, how little our Facebook page has grown compared to everything else that we're a part of. But so be it. That's why they call it a shadow ban after all. So I thought it would be fun to find out if there's actually, hello, is there anybody in there? Just post if you can see me. <laughs> I mean, uh, is there anything going on there? Right? You see what I did there? Did you like I that? Did. All right. Yeah. A little turn of phrase. All right. So I decided, hey, let's have our Facebook, the few, the proud, the Steve Dace Facebook likers. Let's have them determine what we're talking about for this week's Monday Town Hall. I invited your questions. And then I didn't look at the thread. I have no idea how many questions we received. I didn't, I didn't want to get involved in gaming the system at all. Five minutes after I put the post up, Todd, I sent you an email and said, hey, you're going to decide Sunday night. You go in there and pick the, the questions in the order that you'd like them answered. And we'll get to them as many, as, many of them as they can, we can get to. Any topic, nothing is off limits, whatever you choose. I have no idea what these questions are, right? Correct. I, I've not seen, I have not seen any of the questions posted in this thread. How many do we get, by the way? Well, when I looked at it, it was about 190. All right, so we're, so we're approaching so, about 200 on there. Yeah, so don't be threatened or disgusted if yours wasn't picked. Obviously, that wasn't possible for me to pick the majority of them. Um, but if Steve decides to keep doing this, keep them coming. There was rare, there may be a handful of questions that under no circumstances would I have entertained uh, putting forth to uh, Aaron. Like, why do you let that Catholic sit next to you? Did we get that question? Uh, no, uh, but no? I, that, I, I would have put that one on. Yeah, that, that would be actually number one. Yeah. I, I, hell, I'd like to know, as a matter of fact, would be why you'd put that there. Um, if, if it works out, we might even do this kind of format maybe once yeah. a month as a part of this, yeah. just to you know give that audience. But if we're getting like 200 questions, that's like 197 more questions than likes we've gotten on that Facebook page this year. So I'm, 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 that's legit, right? Yeah, we're all tied. All right, so you have, you have given the questions to Aaron. Aaron, are you ready? I am ready, yes. All right, you're up. All right, we'll start with Konstantinos Rodatis. And I just want to let you know, some of these questions are edited just a little bit for brevity. This one's a little bit longer, needs a little bit uh, more explanation. Konstantinos says, During these recent elections, we saw the people in Texas pass a constitutional amendment prohibiting income tax, a college town in Arizona vote down becoming a sanctuary city, and Washington State voted down affirmative action. In Iowa, you helped remove justices from the bench via the voters. Having been involved in statewide ballot initiatives myself, I've seen good and bad come from them. We don't have this ability in our U.S. Constitution to have a national ballot initiative or citizens' ballot initiative. I'm not sure we should, but I'm also not sure we shouldn't. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, and would you support a constitutional amendment to allow this? I would not support a constitutional amendment to, uh, to allow this. Um, I think the Constitution is something 
by nature and by intention that is very difficult to change and to alter uh, so that it can stand and, and, and stem the tide of the passions of the people. Um, and so I, I think um, what you're essentially asking me, Constantinus, is do I believe in a republic or a democracy? That's really what you're asking me. That's exactly right. All right if you boil it down and I'm, you know, I, I believe in a republican form of government. Uh, I don't. I don't believe in mob rule. That's what I think democracy is. Uh, I think, on a state by state level, there is still a risk of that, which is why you've seen some bad and some good. But you're dealing with smaller population bases. Number one. Number two. If you have bad, they're only inflicting a problem on themselves and not the nation as a whole. And and number three. The other reason I think that this is a bad idea is. Let's let's go back to the Chick-fil-A story for just a second. Who is the audience Chick-fil-A is catering to? Who? Uh, half of 1%. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 it, this from a business standpoint doesn't make any oh, sense. Let's just Let's just remove the, all the mora- morality and, and let's say the... Sorry, like a little fuzzy fell on my nose. So I hope the camera doesn't make it look like I keep picking it, but I can't get this fuzzy thing off my nose. Like that episode of Seinfeld. I didn't, it was on the side of my nose and she just drives off. I'm not dating you ever again. I cannot get this fuzzy thing off my nose and I was going to sneeze like four times. Are we good? We're good. Okay. So of course, Aaron kept the camera on me the entire time. Now back to the difference between a Republican and a democracy. Thank you. Well, it's clearly not to make me look better. That's clearly, that's pretty obvious. Anyway. What you're asking for is is a is a democracy with something like this, and in an era where a co- think of think of let's let's say Chick Fil A wasn't a Christian company or ever purported to be. Let's remove all of that, all right? And so during the commercial breaks, I've been spiritually kvetching about this theologically on Twitter because I think this is a unique situation. It's not any other company, right? But let's just say that it was. Let's say all of that other stuff was irrelevant. And this was like when Cracker Barrel. I remember. When I wrote, uh, when I was writing for USA Today, and I defended uh, uh, Duck Dynasty and Phil Robertson for the comments they made that guys like girls and girls like guys, the birds and the bees, and and that was you know uh, anti LGBT, and Cracker Barrel banned Duck Dynasty stuff from their restaurant. Who is your audience? I mean, I, 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 maybe this happens at the Cracker Barrel in San Francisco. And I don't even know if there is a Cracker Barrel in San Francisco. Last time I was in San Francisco, I didn't see one, but maybe there's one there. I don't know. Uh, maybe at the Cracker Barrel in San Francisco, Sves and Pat are leave the, leave the Pride Parade to come in on Catfish Night. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that happens. Maybe that happens at the, at the Cracker Barrel in San Fran. That might happen if there's one there, right? Maybe, they, maybe, maybe that happens, right? How many times does Sves and Pat leave the Pride Parade in Birmingham to catch Catfish Night at Cracker Barrel, Todd? Your thoughts, how many times? Small number. It's a low number. And In fact, let's make it relative to how many times does, um, does the Duggar family or their like Come in for catfish night and all you can eat hot pancakes night at Cracker Barrel. 
just as a relative comparison in Birmingham and every other city that Cracker Barrel is in. They right? own stock. Yes. Yeah. So just strictly from a business standpoint, does this make any sense? No. No. So Chick-fil-A managed to become the hit chain restaurant in Manhattan without caving to any of these This is bad intruder stuff. Yes, it's terrible business. And and the reason that that's being given out there is, well, they're, they want to get into more airports. How much more money do you need? You're a top three restaurant chain. Not to mention, there's a thing in business called opportunity costs, meaning the cost of not doing something or of doing it on the opposite end of the reaction of doing so. Have you considered that? So we're talking about a scant minority who has inflamed enough passions, largely via Twitter, which 80% of Twitter accounts are from outside of the U.S., Mr. Roditis. And think about the amount of pressure they wield on corporations like Chick-fil-A, who've already beaten them, by the way. Now we want to we wanna say... Yes, let's devise a system where the social media mob can just put cancel culture into the Constitution. You may as well get rid of the Electoral yeah, yeah, College yeah, while then, you're at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. What's the point of any of this then? So I would be a no. I, I think it's a terrible idea on a national level to go that far. And 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 for just in, to be as transparent as I can, this conversation is why I was hesitant for a while to be full, a full-throated endorser of the Convention of States, is this conversation. You know, and I've known Mark Meckler for years, and he was on our, he's been on our show tons of times, and I've asked, and, and I used to ask him, play this, these kinds of scenarios out. Now, Article 5 Convention of States is right in the Constitution, number one. So it's already, we're not amending it to include this. Number two, you, the, the states would, have, would, would be able to limit the jurisdiction of what is discussed at these conventions. But that's still not foolproof in an era where one federal judge decides ICE can't deport anybody anymore, and now we just have to just leave open the border, right? That's the society in which we live. However, the final, the, the final um, calculus that made me an enthusiastic supporter of the Convention of States is that the risk of not doing it now, in my view, far outweighs that inherent risk. Meaning the country, this is, and I've, that's, that's why I've used this specific analogy. If we were behind by a touchdown, and there were seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and I was the head coach, would I call for a Hail Mary pass? No. No. We might even get two more possessions in the game. There's, there's, there's plenty of time least, to play sure. this thing out conventionally rather than do something of, high, of, of such high risk. Just hurry right? up offense, nothing drastic. Because a Hail Mary pass, there's a reason why we remember all the great ones. Colorado, Michigan, Boston College, Miami. There's Aaron a reason. Rodgers every other game. Yes. There's a reason why we remember them. Because 95% of the time, it's either batted down or intercepted, right? Yes. So that's why we remember these plays. Because they rarely work. Because you're in desperation mode as a team. So that's why a coach doesn't say, hey, we're down by a touchdown. All right, go ahead and just throw it down the field as far as you can with seven minutes to go, and let's see if we can get the... They wouldn't do that, okay? Because that's desperation, it's dumb. The risk inherent in that play doesn't is, is be way beyond the situation. We're not at the, that juncture, though, I don't believe. You may disagree, and if, you, if that's why you're not for the Convention of States, then I'm not here to argue with you. That's your assessment. I respect it. I don't share it. To me, I think, we're, I think we've already done the two-minute warning 
We've already done the whole IBM, you make the call commercial during the two-minute warning. All right. I think we're out of timeouts here. Okay. Um, Sprite is running ads, you know, which I warned you, didn't I not just say last week this was coming? And I'm going to tell you right now, your whole Super Bowl in a few months, that's that's ads like that Sprite ad are all you're going to see. Mark my words. All right. It's it's going to be the trans bowl. That's, we're, we're beyond that now. I, I think... I, I think at the very, if I was giving the most optimistic assessment, we're in the end game here. Maybe there's more than three seconds on the clock. I don't think there is, by the way. But, but in terms of our way of life, we're in the end game. We're in, there's not more than a minute on the clock. So we at least have to have our Hail Mary team ready to go. We at least have to have it ready. This is Monday, Friday's talk. The snap happened. Man. Yes. Yeah, you're right. And that's why any of the previous reservations that like people like the late, great Phyllis Schlafly had about the convention of states that I once had, to me, the situation is dictated. It's not, they're not as relevant now. We're just, every, every latch of Pandora's box is opened now. And I see this as the last chance that the people have because the Republican Party is not going to be a vehicle for this. They're just not, they have no interest in being so. They're just not. And so this is the last chance, I think, peace, peaceably, we the people have to get back in the, the control of the constitutional reins of our republic before this thing descends into complete and total chaos. That's why now I'm in, now after five or six years ago, I'd have been like, I get it. I see it. I don't know if I think it needs something that drastic. Now I'm like, um, uh, you know, we have to do this. Next question. Yeah, I, to continue the football analogy, the Republican Party is like running the ball into an eight-man front you know, you still possess the ball, but yep. you're just delaying. Yeah, you're not moving. Yeah, you're not, you're not, not matriculating the ball down the field. Yeah. Right. Next question comes from Andy Johnson, who says, how do you feel about Dwayne The Rock Johnson being cast as the newest superhero for DC? I've never heard of a quote unquote Black Adam. Well, first of all, he's not a superhero. Black Adam is one of the great villains of the DC universe. So if you saw the Shazam movie. They made a reference to the wizard Shazam tried giving his power to someone else many, many, many years ago, thousands of years ago. And the guy went evil. That's a reference to Black Adam. All right. And so Black Adam's one of the most powerful villains of, of, of DC comics. Um, he's one of the few that can get the jump on Superman because in recent years they've, they've made it that magic as well as kryptonite is a weakness of Superman so that to try to make him so he's not so unbeatable all the time. And so Black Adam, because his power, his superpowers are wielded by magic is someone that can, uh, that can make Superman bleed. So they played on that. I think it's perfect casting actually. Um, and, and, and the and the rock was actually cast as Black Adam like four years ago. I think this was in 2016. And they've just the movie has just been delayed while while they were figuring out which direction the DC universe was going to go. And and then they decided to introduce the hero Shazam before the villain, which I think does make sense. And thankfully that movie was good. Did you guys ever see it? No, still have no. not seen you it. You need to see it. It's really well done. It's it's cute. And it has some cool action, but it's it's it is they really did make it's the same plot as big. But it's a superhero movie. They did it exactly right, I thought. Um, and the movie was successful, so now they're going to push through with the Shazam uh, wing of the DC universe. And I think The Rock is as bankable as any star uh, in America right now. I think it's great casting. Um, and I'm excited to see what will come of it. 
All right, this one is going to probably take a little bit longer. I don't know. This is from Matthew Bedleon, and I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing your name correctly, Matthew. He says, what is your thinking on flavored wordage such as ass, piss, and other words you probably wouldn't hear people say in church, but I hear you say on your program regularly? Is this something you struggle with, or have you come to believe swearing is a religious confine? I want my younger family to listen and learn about politics through you, but struggle as they've been told not to use these words. This is not a troll question, just wondering if you'd expound on this. Yeah, I don't take it as a troll question at all. First of all, I don't do a show for kids. That's not my intention, is to market a show for children. Children don't buy products from our customers. They don't buy our books. They don't have free reign on social media. We can't monetize children. All right, so um, I don't do a show for kids, number one. Never have. That's never been my intention. Um, Number two, the subject matter that we talk about. Even if I watered it down or made it appear as nice or as sanitized as would make you comfortable. The subject matter in and of itself, I don't know why you'd have children listening to this. I mean, I don't know how many of you, if I don't say those words and we talk about trans issues, how many of you want to answer what that is to your five or six-year-old? I know when our kids were young, we did not, and we didn't, even though I was involved in this every day. We protected their innocence for as long as we possibly could. Now, our youngest is 12, and we have these conversations all the time. But when, um, when they were younger, we didn't discuss this at the dinner table. I, my kids really had no idea what their dad did. They, in many respects, they were sheltered away from it. You know, They knew that uh, daddy stood up for things that were unpopular that we talk about in church. And that's why sometimes we ran into public. In public, we ran into people that didn't like daddy. And that's it. They didn't like listen to our show. They weren't aware of it. So to me, the subject matter we discuss in any tone of voice is going to be very adult to begin with, you know? So the intention has always been for me to do a PG-13 show, although nowadays we're forced to confront a lot of uh, very R-rated subject matter. Um, So those are the first two points. And then the third point is, I I think, um, is is largely subjective. I I don't, I don't, I, I think... Um, I mean, I've been told I can't use anatomically correct terms, right? So I try to get rid of all those terms. And we use terms like vagina, penis, and my email got loaded up with, don't use those terms that are in every seventh and sixth grade health book in America, right? So here's where I'm at. I've given up trying to please you guys on this question. And in the end, I'm just going to trust that if I am abusing the platform God has given me, he he will take it away. I, I, I can't please everyone on this, so I no longer try. And then I leave that up to you as an adult to determine how you want to handle that and what you want to expose the people around you to. We'll come back with more of your questions in a moment. Realestateagentsitrust.com was started several years ago because there's so much frustration with buying and selling a home these days. Glenn Beck and some of his friends found out the hard way, lining up with real estate agents who talked a good game, but then didn't deliver the promised results when promised. And that's why they said, hey, we need a better referral service, something that isn't about finding clients for agents, but about finding an agent worthy of having 
us for clients. And that's the paradigm shift represented by realestateagentsitrust.com. You don't get listed there. Agents don't get listed there unless they've been fully vetted with a proven track record of success, knowledge of marketing and the market that they're serving, and they understand professional courtesy and the relationship aspect between an agent and their buyer slash seller. So if you want an agent that checks all three of those boxes, here's where you're going to find them. Go to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. Aaron, let's continue with our Facebook town hall, Ask Me Anything. All right, Kelly Stallings says, Christmas presents, Christmas Eve or Christmas morning? Well, you know, with me, man, our, our family, we're all Christmas slaps. Our old, my oldest was telling me the other day that the guy she's dating right now, they're arguing over whether it's Christmas time or not, right? Because she's already firing up. She's been firing up the Christmas music in the car, right? So we do both. Uh, we've had a tradition when they were little, the kids opened up uh, one of the presents their grandparents sent them before they came to uh, Iowa to live next to Amy, who's their only child, and uh, their grandkids. They would One of the presents they got them every year was new pajamas when they were little. So that was the present that they would open on Christmas Eve. And so that when they would come down the stairs for Christmas morning, they would be wearing those. For, we do the exact same thing. You, think you guys did that too? Okay. So now that they're older, grandparents don't buy them pajamas for Christmas Eve anymore. So they get like one thing they get to open. Um, so our, we, we, we've done it in the past. We've done one thing on Christmas Eve and then the rest on Christmas morning. I will tell you this Christmas is becoming challenging because the three not so young children have conspired together and just asked for money. Oh no. Did you get to that age eventually where that's what you asked for too? Not really. Money no. and gift cards? No, I just want I, I honestly, I'm not trying to Jesus juke here. I just wanted to be together with the family. That's all I wanted for Christmas. Is that the most pathetic, transparent Jesus juke we've ever had on this show, Todd? Answer, yes. That's why I loved it so much. And you knew it was coming the minute he said, I'm not trying to Jesus juke you. You knew it, right? It was going to be the most amphisted. With all due respect. Yes, with all uh, Bless your heart. Yes, right? <laughs> um, so Amy and I have discussed this, and um, I don't know. Because here's how we've done it in our home. When Anna was the was the only child, first couple of Christmases, man, my parents and Amy's parents and us, and then we've got like video of her third Christmas, and she's like opening a present, throwing it away to grab the next thing, and then whining if she doesn't get it right away. And we realize we got to get a we got to get a hold on this, otherwise we're going to raise a menace to society here. <laughs> and I, in my men's group, my buddy E M, who's who's still I hang out with, he's coming to our, my house to play poker tonight, actually for our monthly poker night. In our, in our men's group at the time, uh, a buddy of mine, EM, and it, it, those abbreviations stand for something, and for the life of me, we've been friends for nearly 20 years, and I can't remember what it stands for. <laughs> my buddy, who shall remain nameless. Who will be in my home tonight, and I hope he's not listening to this, but he probably will be listening on a podcast later. So, my bad, boy. My bad. I forgot what it stands for. And I know it stands for something. All right? His parents didn't name him EM. It's E period M period. I, I know it stands for something. I just can't remember what it stands for. And so he had mentioned that when him and his wife were just getting ready to uh, plan out a family and they were concerned about the spoiler thing and how they were going to do three gifts for their kids at Christmas, because if that was good enough for Jesus, the king of the universe, that ought to be good enough for their kids. And I thought, Eureka, man, that's a great idea. I brought it home to Amy that night. And so that's what we have done. So Zoe and Noah have never lived in a world where they didn't get that. 
And now, now the grandparents will try to cheat this system, okay? Like, they'll be, they'll, we'll get like three UPS boxes. And then when you open up the box, there's like four or five boxes inside. I'll let it slide, though, because they're grandparents. I, I, that, they should be doing that stuff, okay? Um, but we're, we have to live with them every single day. And so that was kind of the example. And then they always go up. One of them is a practical gift. One of them is a, is a, is a, is a nice gift. And then the other one's a really, really nice gift. Like last year for Noah, it was a Nintendo Switch, for example. Okay? And we've done that for the three kids. Um, so I'm really struggling with this because they're also at the age where it's kind of tough to buy for them all, you know? So Amy and I were kind of thinking, now my kids will never listen to this, so they won't know. Here's what we were thinking about doing. You guys tell me what you think. We were thinking about giving in on this from a certain point of view. Meaning... Uh-oh. We put all the boxes under the tree, like we do every year. There's money in the boxes, right? But but you know we fill it up with stuff, so it makes it seem like there's stuff in there, you know, packaging materials and stuff like that. So that there's still stuff that they open up on Christmas morning. It's just when they open it up, it's it's the money that they ask for. What do you guys think? Um, can I? I'm gonna go first on this one. Okay. Um, depends. It just depends. Do you want? Uh, do. You, is this about you and Amy getting a chuckle or is it about just seeing their reaction and getting a chuckle? It just seems. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cause they're not going to be like lighting up and glowing when they do this. This is like, couldn't you have just given us an envelope with cash and then we can all go to our rooms. If this is about getting a chuckle, go for it. Yeah. But then I'll have proved my point there. If that's with, with that reaction, right. You see where I'm going with it. You're not there yet. Although no. you're getting, you gotta be getting close to this point, right? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It gets harder to buy for. You know, so I get that. What, several years ago, when iPads first came out, Anna saved an entire year of her allowance for an iPad, did extra chores, everything, and she was still like three hundred dollars short. And we had a box, a massive box under the tree, and we have video of this. I should play this on our show at Christmas time. It's one of my all-time favorite videos. And I mean, she had saved every dime she had worked so hard, but she still was a few hundred dollars short. And we had a box under the tree and she opened it up. There was another box. Open it up. There's another box. And finally, the box said, if you trust your mom and dad, go upstairs to your savings stash, get all of your money and bring it to your mother. And so Anna read the note. She's like, free, she like freezes. She's not sure what to do. And then she decides to go for it, goes upstairs, brings it, goes, get, goes to get all the money she saved, brought it down, handed it to Amy. And when she did that, Amy then handed her another package to open. And what was inside that package, we had gone ahead and just bought the iPad. And then she paid for most of it, and then we paid the last couple of hundred for it. And just the look on Anna's face, it's, this, it's that and when Noah one year got uh, a voucher for me to take him to the big house for his first Michigan football game. He was like seven or eight years old and he just read it and broke down crying. Those two <laughs> videos are like the best Christmas present videos we have. Zoe, we have nothing like that with Zoe. God bless her. Um, it's just about whether we meet Zoe's expectations. <laughs> Zoe's never surprised. She's never blown away. She's like, I approve. It's, it's whether we meet Zoe's. And so like we have videos of Amy and I reacting to Zoe opening the gifts. Is this good enough? Will this meet her? We're, we're on pins and needles. Will, will Zoe approve of this? And that's only a slight exaggeration, by the way, if you know our Zozo. Next question. 
Oh man, as I was listening to that, so many memories coming back of uh, of things like that that my parents did as well. That's awesome. Uh, Patrick Sims is who this next question is from. I'm having trouble recommending one concise resource or a few that could be called a primer on the principles of the framers while rooted in an explicitly Christian worldview. A good friend is a believer and respects my input, but she's largely uninitiated, short on time in law school, and has not staked out her own positions on many issues. We'll recommend your show again, but still hope a formal, succinct treatment exists in print. I would give you two instant recommendations. Um, one is, uh, this is something um, that was put out several years ago called the Founder's Bible. It is a phenomenal resource. And um, expert craftsmanship, um, it uh, uses a, one of the most um, accurate word-to-word -word translations of the Bible, but a lot of the commentaries as to fit into what, um, what was the worldview, how, how these particular scriptures influenced the framing and founding generations of the country. All right, so I have one of these at my house. It's a phenomenal resource I would highly recommend. That's called the Founder's Bible is number one, and I would recommend that number one. Right, because I'm always. I think you always go to the the source material before you go to the commentaries on the source material. Okay, but if you want another one, I have over the course of my career, I did this once locally when I was just a local guy in Iowa, and then we did this our first year at CRTV, uh, and and before we made the merger over here to the Blaze. Um, you know, because one of the things you'll find with our show is we kind of like to have what's our theme every year. It's how we keep things fresh. We don't get stale. You know, this year's theme has been the year of no BS. We haven't said those words in a while. It's just been so prevalent in our own analysis. We almost haven't need to had to put the disclaimer out there anymore, right? So we'll have a meeting here, you know, shortly before our Christmas uh, end of the year break, and we'll come up with what's next year's theme. How can um, we be even more jaded this year? <laughs> Um, and, uh, well, coming out of the 2016 election, the theme of that year in 2017 is what is conservatism? What is it? What is it? What is it? What does it mean? And we decided as part of that is to, is to take our audience through this book for a second time. And it's called the 5,000 year leap by a man named Cleon Skousen, S-K-O-U-S-E-N. The 5,000-Year Leap by Cleon Skousen. We took our audience through that book every chapter, and we spent months uh, doing that on a weekly basis here on this show. And I think that's another phenomenal resource that I would recommend. All right, so I would recommend the Founder's Bible, number one, and number one with a bullet. And then if you're looking for uh, sort of an, um, an, an, an ancillary support for that, I would go with Cleon Skousen's The 5,000-Year Leap. Cool beans. Uh, next question is from uh, uh, Mike Zeman. Excuse me. It's a two-part question. Question one, in 10 words or less, what is the meaning of life? Part two, what do the results of Saturday's Michigan-Michigan State football game mean to you? And how do the results impact the meaning of your life? Number one, the meaning of life um, is to first love God and then to love people like God loves them. I think that's the meaning of life. To, 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 to first love God and then to love people as God loves them. That last phrase of as God loves them is key because sometimes God loves us with a kick in the pants. Sometimes God loves us with judgment. Sometimes God loves us with a spanking. Sometimes God loves us with a rebuke. And then, and then thankfully, God also loves us with redemption, mercy, grace, sacrifice, 
provision, okay? Um, because God is love. Love is not God. God determines what love is. We don't. He, he is love incarnate. And so we, we learn of what love means by how God acts and behaves it out. And he acts and behaves it out in all of those ways. I'll go back to this well one more time. If you've watched what I've tweeted at Chick-fil-A today, I'm doing it out of love. I am concerned. I, I, really? Because your tone sounds really mean. Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned for them. First of all, I, you know, we love Chick-fil-A at our house. I haven't gone, I haven't been there in like four months, that, but I just haven't made it there. Even I keep wanting to try the, the mac and cheese, right? So I just haven't made it there. You know, but we love it at our house, but we don't eat it like once a week or anything, you know? So, um, and I can get a chicken sandwich that's really good at all kinds of other places. Although what I can't get at other places are the waffle fries. One of the, one of the worst takes my buddy Matt Walsh has ever had. And Matt, if you're watching, you know, I think you've had a lot of bad takes. This is one of, this is one of your worst was the ripping the waffle fries at Chick-fil-A. Those are like the best fries in America, number one. But so I can't, it, I, but it's the service. It's the way they treat you. It's how it's the accurate order. It's the fact that they make you feel like you're valued. They care about you. That you can't, the waffle fries and that service, I can't get everywhere else. I can get a really good ch chicken sandwich at all kinds of places. Popeye's has one now. Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich is a really good chicken sandwich. I can get a good chicken sandwich all kinds of places. The Hy-Vee Market Grill has a phenomenal barbecue chicken sandwich. You should try it if you like it. It's really good. But what I can't get are those waffle fries and that service. And so when, 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 when you see me coming at Chick-fil-A today, warning them about the road they're going down, it's because I love them. I love what they've accomplished. I don't, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, if, if, if they keep going down this road and they become the new Boy Scouts, have we ever celebrated the Boy Scouts imploding on this show in the four, in the four years you guys have worked here? Have, no. I, have I ever seemed happy about what's happened to no, them? No, it's reason for tears. It's freaking tragic what's happened. But this is, this is how it began, right? Yes. Is this not how it began with the Boy Scouts, the conversation we're having today about Chick-fil-A? Pretty much. Right? Yeah. So, you know, we have to be careful. When, that's why the key is to, and to, love, to, to love God and love people as he loves them. Because he doesn't love them as an ATM machine. He doesn't love me as an, give me everything that I want whenever I want it. That's not how this works. This isn't about total affirmation. No. Because sometimes what, what, what I would like to have affirmed is bad. So I think that is the meaning of life. And then number two was, um, so, uh, it has, uh, yeah, no, it has yeah. no bearing on the, on the meaning of life. It's a, it's a Sabbath activity. It's a superfluous activity. I enjoyed it immensely for three and a half hours on Saturday. And for the couple of hours covering it and writing about it after that, you know, but like most of my day yesterday, I didn't really think about it all that much. I took my family to church and then to the movies and, and then I played, uh, I, I did a podcast and then I did uh, Jedi Fallen Order with Noah. Is that good? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay. So yeah, it, it doesn't add to the meaning of it at all. It doesn't. But I don't think everything has to add to the meaning of life. I don't. I think that we're given an opportunity to do things that, give us rest and just fun in the moment. And as long as you're not using those things in ways that deter you from loving God and loving others the way he loves them, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. 
All right, John Butel says, How ought we to engage with fellow Christians who earnestly hold progressive convictions? What's the best response when encountering fellow believers who appeal to biblical principles and their advocacy for spirit-of-the-age progressivism? Must we call them out publicly? How about rebuke them privately? Or is there a higher calling that would compel us to overlook ideological differences in the interest of promoting unity within the body of Christ? This is an excellent question, and I, I mean, I could probably do an entire... Theology Thursday hour on this question. And John, we're, we're, we, right now in real time, we're trying to actively work through this ourselves. We're asking ourselves these kinds of questions right now. So we don't have a guidebook, okay? We're, we're, we're kind of taking notes here. I will address the, can you put the question back up one more time for me, Aaron? I want to, I think I can definitively though address the last part. Is there a higher calling that would compel us to overlook ideological differences in the interest of promoting unity within the body of Christ? When it comes to progressivism, my answer would be no. That, a, that, that their answer is yes. Make sure we're defining progressivism. I'm not defining progressivism as your friends who think we ought to have a healthcare uh, program for single moms that taxpayers ought to pay for. That's, we've been having that argument in this country since Medicare 70 years ago, right? That's, that's not what we're talking about. Okay, that, so I, I think we need to define that, number one, because we would probably all answer yes, that you do have a higher calling than just simply ideological differences. But progressivism is in competition with Christianity. It is seeking to supplant it. It is the opposition. And so, no, I, I can't set aside the fact that you're embracing opposition to Christianity while claiming to be a Christian for the interest of unity, because it is you who are violating the unity by casting aside thousands of years of, of recognized Christian teaching, tradition, history, um, exegesis, hermeneutics, etc. You're you're you are falling for false teaching, and so no, I I cannot set that aside. You have created the division by introducing the false teaching. I have not. I'm trying to follow uh, orthodoxy. You're trying to introduce heterodoxy. So that's the division here. Is your is your is your false teaching. That's where the division is coming from. That answer the question, you think? I believe so. And I don't think we have time for one more. Then let me mention this on the seconds. way out of here. If you are struggling with reaching your weight loss goals, give Riduzone a shot. It puts OEA in your body, which is how your body lets your, your belly lets the brain know when it's full. Right now, you can try this. FDA accepted, vegan-friendly, gluten-free. That's all it is. OEA is not loaded with chemicals or anything. Give it a shot to regulate your portion sizes and your cravings. At Riduzone.com, R-I-D-U, Z-O-N-E, promo code Steve, to get 30% off a three-month supply at RidUZone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. We're going to stick around and do a little overtime. For everybody else, we'll see you tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.